Good afternoon and welcome to the Young News Podcast. Your host, John Phillips, alongside Sean Clappis via WhatsApp on this Sunday, January 9th, 2022, sharing with you our thoughts on current events. Sean, my voice is a little bit not on par. There's no congestion, there's no fatigue, there's no temperature, all right, because that's all that people are going to probably say tomorrow when they see that my voice is a little bit off. There'll be one Karen in the world at a grocery store <laughs> somewhere in South Florida saying, are you going to get tested? And I'm going to say to that person, say, oh, well, why should I get tested? And they're going to say, well, because, you know, you sound, a, you sound a little bit under the weather. And I'll be like, oh, really? Okay, is that one of the symptoms? Well, yeah. Like, and I'll say, okay, well, what, what, what's one of the other symptoms? And they'll say, well, you know, you know fatigue and headache and chills. I'll say, okay, interesting. Fatigue and headache. I'm on a tennis court four to seven hours a day for the past six days, for the past couple of weeks. That's pretty much what I've been averaging. And, uh, okay, fine, I, I guess I should be tested twice a week. I mean, you'd agree, right? Because I, I feel fatigue and I feel headaches. And they'll be like, well, I guess, yeah, you, you kind of should. I'm, oh, interesting. So, you know, that probably means twice a week uh, for an entire month. Uh, generally speaking, that's probably meaning that I'm going to come up with at least one false positive. I think you would agree, Sean. Oh, I get, maybe, uh, okay, so, so, so you would agree that I'll probably get a false positive. Well, maybe it might be sprinkled in there. Okay, so I get a false positive. I stay home. I lose 20% of my money that I'm supposed to get through commissions. And that's perfectly fine with you, right? Oh, I see. You really didn't think through the unintended consequences of you just wanting everyone in the world who has a symptom of this quote-unquote virus uh, to just get tested and throw their life away for the week or for the month or for whatever it is. And there's no there's no real ramifications because at the end of the day, I guess there's this thing called universal basic income and it can pay me the exact same amount that I get right now. But only that's not true. And prices have not stayed the same for the past couple of weeks. But I don't want to... Uh, oh, the last couple of years. I don't want to get too far off tra track. That's my quick tangent for the for the evening, Sean. Um, what I do want to get into is ultimately a big story in the world, a very big story in the sports world. That is Novak Djokovic not going to be playing in this year's Australian Open. I happen to come on the support and the side of the Australian government. Now, I want to make this very clear. Yes, I believe the Australian government is treating their people like cattle. Uh, and that's a great to me, that's almost a compliment to the Australian government. Because what they're saying to the people is, you can hang out in the field and we have a fence up for protection and you can hang out with your friends when, when we say it's okay and you know you can eat when we say it's okay and if there's some type of intruder that comes over the fence, we might even shoot it to prevent it from harming you and that's going to be okay. And But at the end of the day, we own you. And at the end of the day, it's our interests that come first, not yours. So that is, to me, a very accurate um, portrayal of how the Australian government is viewing its citizens. However, when it comes to this situation, Sean, Novak Djokovic has no right to play in this tournament. And the main reason that I have is the fact that if you and I were in that country right now and we didn't get that VAX card, you and I probably would lose our jobs. We wouldn't be able to take that mortgage or pay our bills. And so here we are, tax paying, we were taxpayers of the country of Australia. And all of a sudden, we were not given a medical exemption. But all of a sudden, we hear this news that a multi-millionaire celebrity athlete gets a medical exemption to come into our country and play in a tournament where you and I don't have the right to go to. And so to wrap this up, and then I'll give you the microphone, Sean, Australian government 100% right 
to deny Djokovic because the rules are the rules. I don't agree with the rules. I think it's wrong. I think what's making this very controversial is that he's one major away from breaking Nadal and Federer at 20 and getting himself solely at 21 majors. That's a lot that's going into this controversy. And it just so happens to be that this is Djokovic's best major. This is the this is the major that he's won the most. So that also is 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 in there. Um, with all that said, Sean, I'm gonna throw you the invisible microphone and uh, want to hear your thoughts on what's going down down under and with Novak Djokovic. Uh -huh. Well, <clears throat> I mean, you are the, the tennis pro. You're you're the tennis guy. So I, I default to you for my tennis news, obviously. But uh, you, that's an interesting take, John. You, you, you're taking the, the very literal uh, take in terms of, well, I support the Australian government because as per the rules of the Australian government, even though I believe the Australian government has fallen into effectively a post-democratic dictatorship nanny state, but as per the the assuming that this is what the Australian people want, that the Australian government is correct in carrying out the wishes of the Australian people and enacting this essentially fascistic COVID regime against everyone and not giving any special preferential treatment to any millionaire athletes. I get this is this is the thrust of your argument I'm I'm, I'm essentially taking. Is that correct? I'm I'm saying that if you the rules are the rules so if you have fascistic right. rules for your own people it is incredibly right. stupid to all of a sudden have a non-citizen be allowed and be granted a medical exemption and be allowed into your country the rules are the rules i don't agree with the rules however i think there are actually many people right now in australia who are actually are perfectly flattered with the idea of being treated like cattle I think they're flattered with the idea of someone telling them what to do. All they have to do is wake up, uh, find out what the orders are from their owners, uh, be told that there is a time for play and leisure. There's a time for going to the bathroom. There's a time to you know sleep, and there's a time to eat, and and there's protection offered with fences. A lot of people want that, Sean. A lot of people like that. That is that is a very new thing that I have. Um, that I've seen in certain Western countries, Australia, Canada being another one of those. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's my takeaway. Uh, I mean, I agree with what Djokovic stands for. I think he just missed a brilliant PR chance for him to say, at this point, I am very, I, I am very thankful to the Australian people. And for the support they've given me over the past several years, um, I am, you know, I was absolutely grateful to be a part of this tournament. It is incredibly unfortunate uh, that they have these policies in which dehumanize people. And that is a decision that they have made that people's rights come second. And that is something that, you know, I did, I disagree with, but the rules are the rules. And I and I think what happened was he had this he had this attitude of oh I can't wait to go this is incredible this was great I got exemption ha 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 suckers you can't see me play but I can come into your country now I'm exaggerating that John uh, Sean but what I'm trying to do is say 
I'm trying to give you the perception of some people in the country. And we all know, I mean, you might know, but you might know a little bit about it. Djokovic already has a history of doing controversial things, saying controversial things. So there's there's naturally going to be a spotlight on you when it comes down to a guy like him. He has a Serbian flag next to his name. It's not a Canadian flag. It's not an American flag. It's not a British flag. And anyone who's familiar with tennis knows this very, very well. That if you're from the West, if you're from Switzerland, if you're from Spain, France, Britain, America, Canada, you are a civilized, educated, nice young boy. But if you have that Eastern savage flag of a Russian of a Bulgarian, of a Serbian, you are a little bit on the edge. You're not quite like us. And anyone out there will tell you that there is a bit of a class system when it comes down to the game of tennis. I don't believe it is actually the game known across the world as being the common man's game. So there's a lot of that goes into this whole storyline as well. Um... And so there you go. There you have it. I mean, what, what do you what do you think of of the decision, and, and and how do you how do you see this playing out? Well, I mean, I'm, and I mean, I sorry, really, real quick, Sean. What I mean is playing out not just for him, but for all yeah. athletes and actors and musicians who are ultimately trying to do what he is doing and having to, you know, play the PR game, but at the same time having to play his game. Right. Um. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I'm trying to think of this more in the long term. It, I'm trying to think how is the best way that he can play this or that anyone can play this so that it kind of shows the... I, I don't know. I mean, ultimately, I think the controversy is good because it shines light on what's going on in Australia, which is an absolute human rights disaster. I mean, there, there are essentially concentration camps where... They, they put you in there and they forcibly quarantine you for 14 days and they test you every single day. And they, they, I mean, they literally treat you like cattle, as you said. And, they, and Instagram and Facebook, I mean, they literally have paid actors, like in North Korea, where they have hot Instagram models go into the quarantine camps, set up shop and, and like take selfies and go, oh, quarantining for 14 days, it's like a vacation for me. Literally. State-sponsored propaganda on TikTok and Instagram to make it seem like, oh yeah, no, these quarantine camps are awesome. It's like a getaway. Oh, and I'm keeping everybody safe. So that that is actually happening. That is actually happening in our world. In in a free quote unquote free Western country, right? Like Australia. What once once a great symbol of of a free world. I remember, John, I remember back at the beginning of COVID when, because when, I watched Sky News, which I guess is the, is the evil right-wing news channel in, uh, in Australia, and they were pretty good about criticizing China's authoritarianism and being like, listen, you know, this is not good. The, the West essentially falling apart under COVID is not good for Australia because China is making these very authoritarian overtures in threatening our trade space. They're, they're very, very aggressive. And I thought to myself, oh no, who is gonna run to the aid of Australia? You know, they're, they're a beacon of Western capitalism, democracy in, the, in, in Oceania, essentially. And they're very close to, to China, which is a very aggressive threat. And I thought to myself, oh boy, 
hopefully, if you know, if China tries something against Australia, hopefully Britain or NATO or U.S. will respond in kind and, and protect their ally. And now I see what Australia has done, and it's like, wow, it's kind of like hold my beer, right? You know, you ever seen the hold my beer meme? <laughs> like China goes, yeah, we have concentration camps, and Australia goes, hold my fosters, right? Yeah. Like I'm gonna uh, rather than protect freedom, I'm gonna one up you on the authoritarian horseshit. So while I have no sympathy for the Australian government, I think they can all go die in, in, in jail cells, every single one of those politicians who supports these in, this inhuman garbage. I feel bad for the Australian people. Uh, and and, and not, just, not just for the ones who are against all this nonsense. I feel bad for the ones who believe that their government is actually helping them, and they think that they're doing the right thing and locking themselves in their homes, even though Omicron has killed less Fewer people than falling coconuts. Right. Uh, I mean, like, Australians, you have, there's more danger from spiders, snakes and spiders in Australia kill way more people than COVID, okay? That's just just a fact right now. The The death rate has plummeted so far, and the hospitalization rate has plummeted so far that the news will not even pick up on it. The news will, you have to go digging around. And so the fact that, Things like the Grammys are, are, are canceled. All these things are, I hear people saying, oh, no, Omicron, all these things are getting canceled and everything. It's like, and I'm, I'm standing there going, are you, it, it's hard to gauge people, John, because you say, are you, uh, are you more afraid, are you afra- afraid of Omicron, actually? Or are you afraid of what your government is going to do to you? And I hope that the answer is the latter, because that's where the actual fear should be coming in. Right. Now, I have zero fear of Omicron. It has killed zero people in Europe. I have zero free fear of Omicron. And right. no one should be afraid of something that has killed zero people on the entire continent. Okay? Or, or I would I would argue you can be afraid of it, but put it into perspective with other things that can kill you. So like I have no no problem with someone saying like this is obviously something that I'm very worried about. And what I would say is, okay, but are you also worried about other you things should, that can kill you? And I, then the I mean, other John, John. That they should be worried about lightning strikes because lightning kills uh, uh, hundreds of people every single year. Yes, but the only the difference more. correct, it's, it's, but it's so much more than Omicron. Right, but there's a difference in a sense where with an, with a lightning strike, you kind of have an idea, like you have control, you have more control over avoiding a lightning strike. I think why this is more in people's brains is because they don't have control of a virus. When you think of a virus, Sean, well, first off, it's invisible. Right. Secondly, it's not necessarily clear why some people get infected while others don't. Thirdly, it's not really clear why some people get infected and have major problems and other people don't. And so there is this mysteriousness behind a virus that makes it so powerful when it comes down to developing a sort of mass psychosis in society. And that's what I want to bring up when when you ultimately see people outside walking on a beautiful 75 day degree and sunny. With a mask on, and not just any mask, a K95 mask on, right? You you realize that it's gone beyond obviously something like reason, and it's developed now into a situation where people were isolated, people were pounded with fear, they were pounded with paranoia, and ultimately, at the end of the day. They were in this situation that made them very susceptible to looking at only one thing 
to grant them a solution to this fear, to this paranoia, to this anxiety. And, you know, I could argue that this psychosis situation that America has experienced started under Obama. And I could actually blame Republicans for falling under this idea that it's this one man that's responsible for the problems and the economic hardships and social outcasting of people in our society. And gosh darn it, if we just get rid of this guy, we'll be a capitalist country again. Okay? This was nonsense. It was third grade reasoning, not even, kindergarten-ish, right? But nevertheless, I mean, there was this fear, this anxiety. Oh, my gosh, we're going to be a socialist country. Oh, no. He's going to take away our property. Oh, no. And then all of a sudden, Trump comes along, and now the tables reverse, right? It's the left that gets out of control and says, there's this guy named Trump, and he's really, really bad. And we need to find a solution, a single solution to this guy. Right. And so the single solution is get him out of office and things will go away. Well, you got him out of office, but things still existed that were not good. And ultimately, it's the virus. And now it's like, well, the single solution is the vaccine. And, you know, here we are. I don't know, Sean, almost two years from the time it really hit the world. And people are convinced that the vaccine holds the answers to the problems that people face when it comes down to what we're dealing with in the world today, specifically infectious diseases. And I think what people have to do is first off, take a stop, take a step back. When you look at nature, okay, are you really going to put all of your eggs in one basket and that is a vaccine? So 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 you're not going to be willing to admit that maybe if we just clean the fishbowl the goldfish will get better. Maybe right. just feeding the goldfish a pill so that it can suffer, so that it can live in a dirty fish tank is not the best solution. And that's how I want to bring this to an end here in terms of my my comments on this psychosis that's taking place and a solution to this psychosis. I believe the solution is in the terrain theory approach. I believe the solution is don't give the dirty fish. Uh, the, don't give the fish in a dirty tank a pill, a jab. Why don't you clean the damn fish tank? And maybe, maybe, Sean, just maybe, the human body was created with things that I don't know can actually help heal and have the body recover from something that it is dealing with. Maybe, just maybe, there's this thing called an immune system that we were born with in which kids are beasts when it comes down to fighting uh, illnesses and fighting off germs that might infect them. I don't know, Sean. Maybe there's this thing called a human being and it was actually created to have an immune system. And yes, science has done miraculous things which take which, that can take certain you know, minor situations in the world in which there's dirty water... There's problems that can't be fixed with just, you know, making the water clean, that it's going to need some synthetic material to come to its aid. Fine, Sean. Fair enough. Maybe we just come to the realization that maybe the best thing is not just the fish taking a pill or getting a jab to survive. Maybe we do a little bit of both. But you don't really hear that today. Instead, you have this idea in which in this sphere... In this mass panic, I mean, think about what social media did, Sean. Anxiety, stressed out, 
Always want to know what's on the news. Always want to know how the stock market's performing tomorrow. Always want to know how much your mortgage is going to be next, or how much your home is going to be valued next year. Always got to know what your what what your teachers are doing, what your schools are doing, what your kids are listening to. What you know, everything's just knowing, knowing, knowing. Got to know where my kids are. Got to know who's around them. Got to know when they're coming home. Got to do this. Got to do that. Got to have everything by the clock. And there's this just an incredible like attempt for man to control the world instead of just allowing certain parts of the world to be free. But we want to conquer everything, Sean. We want to conquer everything. Yeah, I think I have a pretty straightforward answer to why the terrain theory is completely ignored. That's because, John, exercising and having a healthy immune system and eating well, that doesn't benefit the pharmaceutical industry (laughs) or the medical institutions. That doesn't make any money for them. That's free. Now, vaccines, on the other hand, they rake in enormous record profits Pfizer is 34 billion I mean and, and it's it's amazing how it's really amazing it, it, it's like a psyop or, or hypnosis I remember only five six years ago it was a, a and I'm talking I've, I've, I sound like a, like a broken record I mentioned this before you could find any leftist or, or and even just mainstream liberal and, see, and you say what do you think of uh, big pharma the pharmaceutical industry and a lot of them would say they're responsible for the opioid crisis. You know, they are, they are not, they don't have our best interests at heart. Sure, they make these drugs, but it's like they are, they are interested in profits first before people. And now they will, they will kneel down humbly at the altar of Big Pharma and pray. They'll put their two N95 masks on and they'll pray to a, uh, <laughs> to a, a, a candle of Dr. Fauci on the altar of Big Pharma. It, it, the fact that it has flipped so... And we're talking about, John, I mean, uh, who paid the biggest criminal fine in U.S. history? It was Pfizer for doing shady shit, for putting out stuff, you know, for bribing, essentially, lobbying the FDA to get stuff passed that was unsafe for doing corrupt, creepy shit. They paid a huge amount. I didn't even know the exact figure. Hundreds of millions of dollars. That was Pfizer. That wasn't that long ago. These these people are not your friends, okay? The reason why, and I, I, I mean, whenever this, and I'm thinking, I'm talking pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, whenever you got a cold, everyone, you know, every old lady or every, like, the guy at the Chinese restaurant would say, oh, t- t- uh, garlic, eat garlic, you know? Or, oh, yeah, take some vitamin C. Or uh, what was that stuff that you would take uh, on the airplane uh, that was like a vitamin C tablet, basically? You know, just all these little all these little home remedies. Oh, yeah, you know, uh, take a really hot shower and then get in bed. You know, whatever. From, from common sense stuff to really, like, out there frontier medicine, you know? Yep. You don't hear any of that around COVID. No. Even though we know. Oh, yeah, vitamin D. Zinc. This is this is great. I mean, ivermectin. It's a, a hydroxychloroquine. This stuff is ubiquitous and easy to get. People in the third world use hydroxychloroquine for, I think, malaria or some different like a, a, a bug, a mosquito-borne illnesses. They, I, I believe, I believe, if I'm not if I'm not a hundred percent sure, they even used it for when it came down to Zika. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I, I think that might have been one of the applications. I remember I was talking with a friend of mine, another guitar player, older guy, during the height of all this crap, and he was like, he's you know this old older gay dude, and he's like, I mean, I'm not a fan of Trump, but he's absolutely right about the hydroxychloroquine. And I go, oh yeah, man, what, what do you know about it? He goes, I've been. He goes, I've played a lot of gigs all over Africa, and he was like, man, everybody there. Because malaria and Zika and West Nile, those are problems. That's a big problem there, you know? And rather than taking the regular malaria medication, which makes you sick, like it's not it's not fun, a lot of people take that. They take take hydroxychloroquine. They take one pill, they're like, oh yeah, it costs 10, you pay $10 and you have like a whole year's supply. So right. it's like, it's been around for a long time. So is ivermectin, and yet CNN calls it horse medication, even though it won the Nobel Prize. So all of these, all of these, and, and those are, you know, medications, over-the-counter over the generic medications. You don't hear about that. In fact, they're shunned. Don't ever talk about that. And then don't ever talk about keeping, keeping healthy. CNN just posted an article saying one study links uh, overweight, uh, says that losing weight may lower your chances of dying from COVID. And Joe Rogan shares this. And everyone is like, yeah, and water is wet. And the sky is blue. Like, are you fucking kidding me, CNN? Two years too late. You're trying to catch up to this? Like, we we already know 95% of the of COVID deaths were people who were overweight, had diabetes, heart disease. I mean, yeah, but that would is, be that would be considered that would be well yeah known. that would be considered fat shaming, though, Sean. How dare you be <laughs> such a bigot? Well, no, no, because and this is and this is where they they've totally flipped the script. They have allowed feelings, people's, people's fragile feelings to be more important than their actual lives. I want, I don't want my fat friends to die, okay? I don't want my, you know, I don't want my family members who overeat and don't exercise. I don't want them to die. I love them. I want them to be around. I think something like every extra pound of fat in your body, I mean, it, 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 extra, every extra five pounds of fat in your body it ups your likelihood of a heart attack by some absurd amount of an absurd amount. I don't, I don't, I can't remember the exact figure, but it's like, it's shocking how much fat is hurt, extra fat that you're carrying around is hurting your liver and your heart. And if you, know, this is the thing, man, shame is not bad. Shame is a powerful thing. Shame is something that gets people off of drugs. It's something that gets people motivated. It's something that gets people to go, "Oh my God, I'm I'm making you know I'm making I'm I'm killing my mother with worry. I need to stop drinking. I you know I'm destroying my relationships. I need to get my shit together." Right? Jordan Peterson talks about this. He goes, "You know, this this kind of attitude of not ever giving any." criticism because you're afraid of hurting someone's feelings or, or saying to someone, no, no, you're perfect just the way you are. Jordan Peterson says, this is one of the most selfish and savage things that you can say to someone because they know in their heart that something's wrong. They know that something's wrong. And so you say, telling them, oh, no, 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 it's all in your brain. You're eventually t essentially telling them that your misery is not, you have no control over it, Okay. You're, you're, you're going insane because you're miserable. And the, old, the, the ones who are, who are in charge of your happiness are outside forces. You know, it's society's fault that you feel miserable. It's not because you're fat. It's not because 
you can't wake up in the morning. It's not because you're depressed all the time. It's not because you masturbate constantly and just watch uh, Netflix and play video games all day. No, 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 no. It's capitalism's fault. It's the it's the patriarchy's fault, right? It's and and Jordan Peterson points out what perfectly how this is the worst advice that you can give people because it's not how someone becomes self-actualized. You become self-actualized by having a sense of awareness. And if you want to call it shame, that's fine. But it's self-awareness and going, oh God, I need to get my stuff together because guess what? I'm alone. No one else is going to make me do it, all right? I have to get my stuff together. And if that means losing 10 pounds, well, guess what? At the end of that, I'm going to feel great. I'm going to feel much better. Oh, does that mean I have to start waking up before noon? Okay, I'm going to have to start doing that. Once you start doing these things, you'll realize how much power you actually have in your in your everyday life, and that's exactly what the statists don't want. They don't well, want individuals. Well, that, well that's what I was going to say. They don't want people with power. So, well, that's what I was just going to say was you said that it was some of the worst piece of advice uh, that you could give someone. I would argue it's some of the best piece of advice and most effective piece of advice uh, to give someone who you don't want to compete with you. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, if I want to be the most dominant player and I'm quite selfish and I want to keep my spot on the tennis court and there's someone out there that's asking me, you know, what do I do? Yada, 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 you know, and, and, and the worst thing I could do. Oh, you're perfect. Do what, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. And, and most importantly, point out as many things as I possibly can do. And might I say you can't do it in too much of a bullshit way. You have to do it in somewhat of a sophisticated approach. Which I would argue um, is probably one of the most brilliant things that the Tech Pharma Media Alliance has been able to do. When I say brilliant, I do believe it's brilliant because I think one of the things they had to do is how are we going to convince a lot of people to believe a lie, right? They start off with a very basic, simple question, right? How do we compete? How do we get well? The, well, one of the first things you have to do is. Make sure they play the blame game, right? That's that's just a classic one. Yeah. It's not your fault. It's someone else's fault. Very effective. Yeah, you can yeah. you can play these with kids, you know. The other yeah. thing that you really should do is, you have to make sure you discredit people who are or hold contrary opinions um, to what you think and what to what you want the people to think. And so I think one of the things that's, that, that those who are in charge have done very well is to discredit those who are making sense of what is happening, right? And secondly, reminding people it's not their fault, that the virus is not their fault. It's the unvaccinated who have prolonged this into eternity. Had they just got the jab when it was available... Things would have gone back to normal. But no, the unvaccinated when it comes down to this jab had to be selfish. They had to put their quote unquote freedoms, you know, above your own personal freedom to live a healthy life and get back to normal. And as a result, we have this never ending virus that will continue to wreak havoc on society. And you can thank those selfish, unvaccinated people who when they were called upon to sacrifice and make sacrifices for their country, for their fellow man, they decided to give you the middle finger. And so every problem that we have now, blame them. 
And we will try our best to isolate them and to punish them. Uh, but it's important that we are all reminded about the damage that they caused and how never again we should allow this group of people to wield such great power in our society and to create this monster that will never end. And that's the line they're going to use. And I think it's going to be a little... I, 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 I think it has the ability... It has the ability to be very effective. Everything you just said, everything you just said, you could apply it to the state. Well, I thought you were going to say you could apply it to, to, to Nazi Germany, where you could have a single problem with the Jews, right? All these diseases from outside of Germany. Who's spreading these? Who's keeping these a part of our blood, our Aryan heritage? It's those Jews, right? You know, who are the bankers? Who are the people that have international networks who can who, international networks who can get a loan and buy up assets and stay afloat during times of inflation? I know who it is. It's those Jewish people that live in our community. Right. And right. what happens? Little by little, they just keep feeding that narrative, feed that narrative, feed that narrative. They don't throw them in the gas chambers right away. No, no. They just say little things like you know you we, can't. We, we got we got to isolate. We got to isolate. Nah, even before that, right? Even before that, it was you know I just don't marry a don't marry you know a, a, a non-Jew and don't we can't have their children you know playing in the yeah and you know we eventually then it got to you know let's mark you let's publicly mark you and know who you are so that we don't have trouble with you in the future and you know it's 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 very incredible, Sean. It's very interesting. I don't I know what to make of it. It's actually. One of those things, you know what to make of it, but you are not so certain how the future is going to play out. I think that to me is the mystery, right? Um, Because this could go so many ways. I mean, I think you and I agree. I mean, in three weeks, maybe. So the positive optimistic message could be, Sean, and I want to hear your thoughts. The positive message could be the... People that tried to pull this scam um, received pushback, much far greater pushback than they ever imagined. In the midst of this pushback last year, they panicked. They panicked and they made bad decisions. Now they realize how bad their decisions were and they have to try to save face somehow. They have admitted defeat. They understand they could not necessarily get to where they wanted to be. It doesn't mean that their eventual goal won't try to come about in the near future. But for now, they have to take the L. And the way I see it is they had to come up with the plan. And part of this plan is let's have a variant. Let's have a variant that doesn't kill a lot of people. Let's have a variant in which we're only going to need one of three positives to show up in a PCR test to claim that that person is positive with COVID-19. That obviously increases the amount of cases that are out there in this world, but it also means that not a lot of people are dying from this. Then let's come out with a press conference in a couple of weeks and say, it looks like every variant that has passed by looks like it's getting weaker and weaker, and we are finally looking towards the spring of 2022 as a time to recover and with your help, reshape our vision for the future to come. And people, I think, Sean, here's the reality. And I thought about this. 
And I want you to grill me on this. People are quick to forget. And people are at a point, they are at a point in time where they don't have the energy to hold Fauci accountable for what he did. They don't have the energy to go down the rabbit hole and ask the questions, who was truly calling the shots when it came down to what the pharmaceutical companies were pumping into this country? They don't have the time for criminal prosecution. They don't have the time to get into the nitty-gritty nonsense that has been taking place over the past two years. Honestly, damn it, Sean, they just want to get back to a relatively normal life with normal gas prices, a normal school, with no masks, and a future that allows kids to play outside and people to see their loved ones. That's all people want. And all the other things, a spike in prices, a little bit of intrusion on your personal liberties, the inability to travel to certain places in the world, they'll take it at this point. They really will because they're tired and they just want this to end. Yeah. Um, I don't know who you're talking about because I'm walking around in Spain. I, I don't know who wants this to end. Everyone on the street is wearing masks again and N95 masks. And I'm thinking to myself, you dumb fuckers. No one on this continent has died of this variant. No one. How many people do you know who've died, even from OG COVID? And so I want to shake them and slap them, every single one of them. I don't see anyone who wants to see this come to an end. Oh, you know, you know who wants to see this come to an end, John? Vox, the evil fascist party. The, you know, the, the evil right-wingers who uh, apparently right-wing means, yeah, let's put an end to this and give people their freedoms back. That's what evil right-wing is today in 2022. That's how fucking twisted people are. That's how ridiculous this continent is. That's how ridiculous this country is. And I'm lucky. I'm in Madrid, which is a, the more conservative of the whole, whole country. In the rest of the country, there's vaccine passports, you know? you got to show a piece of paper to go get a cup of coffee. I, I, at least we haven't gotten to that point. But I, I, I John, I don't know, man. I, it's like, do we need the allies to come back and liberate? liberate well, I, no. But here's my here's my it pushback. Really is disgusting. But here's my pushback to that. So I believe people are wearing masks because they want to be told what to do. I don't believe they enjoy wearing masks. I don't believe they want their kids to wear masks. But I do believe they have this tremendous faith and trust. That what the media says is the right thing. Yeah. And and, and yeah. when you have a population, okay, who's told that there is a serious variant out there, they see it enough, they hear it enough, uh, there's enough guilt that is stirring inside of them and a lack of courage mixed in with that guilt to have them do what they're doing right now on the streets. And I will say that I think a lot of people are wearing masks now, not so much because it's protecting them. But I do believe there is this guilt of not living up to moral expectations they have set out for themselves. And as a result, it's their chance during those steps that they take on that sidewalk to tell the world I'm being a good person. Because quite frankly, they have failed in other parts of their life to being a good person. But for that walk, for that period of time, to show them the big-ass K95 mask... It's a good yeah. feeling to feel like you're saving the world. And people like it. And people do it. And they take selfies. But I'm saying, Sean, that I believe that in three to four weeks, if there's a press conference, Sean, and the WHO is there, and Mr. Fauci is there, and 
Several world leaders are all on the same page with saying that it is very promising that this was the last variant that you need to take seriously as of right now. I believe, and you will hold me to this, I believe those same people will go back to normal. And they will just act as if everything is perfectly okay now. And most importantly, the sad part is that I don't think there's going to be tremendous political pushback when it comes down to those leaders who should be held accountable for being fascists. I don't think it's going to be there. I think people will just say, let's get back to what we thought was important before COVID. Yep. I think that's what's going yeah, to happen. I, 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 um, I also don't have much faith for justice. I think what's going to happen, John, is this, w- this would keep going on forever if it weren't for those crazy anti-vaxxers or anti-maskers, you know, and those evil Trumpers who, and the, as they call them here, negacionistas, the, the negationists, you know, the ones who don't believe. It's like, hey, asshole, it's not that I don't believe in COVID. It's that, it's that I know that the, it's a 0.03% infection mortality, right? You can, read the, you can read the science, you know, and uh, I would prefer not to lose my freedoms over that horse shit. So it, it is only because of us because of the ones pushing back, because of the ones protesting, that there is, and, and, and because of the Joe Rogans and the Peter McCulloughs and the Robert Malones who are out there, and, and Robert Kennedys, who are uh, exposing the truth. And that groundswell is growing, for sure. And the elites see that, and so they go, okay, how do we play this? Before the tide turns against us, we're going to loosen our grip and say, mission accomplished. We did it, everybody. Thank you, you and you, you who were double masking the whole time. It's all you. We we love you, and we'll shower now. We'll shower you with UBI, and everyone will say, "Yay, more free money!" More, free. and the clown world will continue. It'll just continue in another format. That's what I think is going to happen. Right. So, are you ready for Hillary Clinton in twenty twenty four? Oh, jeez. I'm ready for Trump in 2024. I have a few things. Well, we have to end with that, right? Because I actually, um, I actually heard this from the uh, very humble, uh, you know, very humble Bill O'Reilly. He was the first guy I heard the idea, and actually, to give him credit, he articulated his reasoning actually very well as to why she will, in his opinion, run. And yeah. I'm going to be honest, I, I don't, I, I see it making perfectly sense to see Clinton and Romney run on a 2024 Democratic ticket. And yeah. and that's my, you know, I mentioned Romney, I think, in the past podcast with you. Um, I think, and this is just my own opinion, I'm not perfect. I've made several errors, including thinking Trump was going to win in 2020. Did not really take into consideration some of the strategies that the Democrats were incredibly effective at getting out the vote and what many people would argue suppressing the vote. But nevertheless, they won. Republicans lost. Trump lost. When it comes to, Sean, 2024, you know, Romney was the only vote against Trump when it came, uh, was the only vote for impeachment. Everyone remembers that. Romney also kind of represents that Bush tree that's really pissed off that Trump came into the Republican Party and took a big shit on them. 
Um, and that's a little bit mean and a little bit, you know, crass. But I make that point, Sean, because they really, that's how they felt. Now, you cannot like Bush. You cannot like the Bush family. You cannot like Bush politics or Romney. But the bottom line is that's how they felt when this guy came into their party. And that's how they would frame it, Sean, by the way. They would frame it like a monarchy. Like he came into our party. We own it, right? Oh, yeah. We control it. Oh, yeah. Now, now, now I do believe they realize, and they're going to realize this quite quickly, that not a single rhino Republican, not a single traditional Republican could could actually be effective at running against Trump. But they could have a possibility at pairing up with the old guard of the Democratic Party and almost guaranteeing a victory in 2024. Um, I want to make when, it very clear. What, what real and I, and, and I, and I want to make it clear. At first glance, when people think, oh my gosh, Clinton, no, and... Romney, are you kidding me, John? I say, look, man, like, don't underestimate the amount of people out there that are nostalgic about Clinton times. Remember when Trump came along. Trump came along after Obama. Trump was the antithesis to Obama. And not only was he the antithesis to Obama, Clinton was almost making every wrong move in the book when it came down to trying to secure that election. From the deplorables comment to falling apart, I believe it was in the second debate. Not quite sure. Um, this is going to be a different type of election. Election in which I think people might want an end to all of this massive instability. They, they see Joe Biden and he literally is unstable. When they hear Trump, he sounds unstable. And for some reason... They have the connections. You see a Bush-Clinton alliance come together under the Democratic Party for the 2024 nominee. I bring that up, Sean, because if they get slammed in 2022 this year, the Democratic Party just might be so desperate to realize that that is the only antidote, antidote to a Trump victory. Right. And just want to hear your thoughts on that possible election coming up in a couple so a couple that's of years. A very interesting, very interesting prediction, and there's a lot of merit to that. I think American politics is going away from Democrat Republican and going more towards uh, establishment and populist. I think you're going to have an establishment candidate and then a populist candidate. And the Democrats, we've seen with their, you know, super, uh, with, with their super delegates and all this stuff, they have the establishment on lock, you know. They booted Bernie Sanders, and he reciprocated because he's a coward. Bernie Sanders is a coward. He's an old cuck. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't care anybody, if you know, how much anybody likes him. He's an old cuck. He's an old socialist. He, he kissed the ring of the Clintons. Donald Trump said, no, you can go F off. I'm going to do my own thing. All the Romneys and all the Jeb Bushes aren't going to be able to stop me. And we actually had a populist president for a few years. Who and uh, you know, I mean, I, I would, uh, I have my issues, tons of issues with Trump, but I would rather have that as opposed to the establishment in America, because the establishment is literally, I mean, literally, 
when when you talk about oh you know all the it's unstable like Joe Biden you know, it's so unstable everything is crazy I mean of course yes Joe Biden and the, and the Democrats and just the political establishment are destroying this country for sure without a doubt but the whole instability thing I mean and it's one of the reasons why I'm an anarchist is because a government cannot make the people unstable you make yourself unstable and when the people have been so brainwashed by corporate media, corporate media can say the sky is falling and half the people won't even look up to see if the sky is falling before they start freaking out and rioting. So you have all of these, you know, I mean, we know that BLM is paid by the DNC. And, and, I, and I'm not saying like your average BLM protester, but the people who are in charge, the people who are running it, we know that they are paid. We know that they are millionaires. We know that all of these grass, quote unquote, grassroots movement, you know, Antifa is a, is, is a mil, they're a mil, paramilitary organization. Which real you quick, know, real quick to push back. I mean, we could say the same thing about how the Tea Party and Ted Cruz became a millionaire off. Oh, well, yes. No, no. But yes, they were. But they, they don't. I mean, they don't exist anymore. When was the last time we heard about the Tea Party? No, but I mean, you know? what I'm trying to say is that people benefit off this kind of populist movement so that they can be kind of one of those. You know, people who yeah, say Ted, they're down with Ted the people, Cruz, but aren't. Ted, Ted Cruz says things like, "Oh yeah, oh I'm, yeah, I'm for the people," and then he calls the January sixth uh, uh, protest uh, a terrorist act. Like, That's what he, I mean. He's an establishment scumbag. He's just yeah. like the rest of them. You know, I mean, it, it, it's I don't, and I don't even I know see, scumbag. I would just say, I would just say, versus populist, right? For the next, that's what I see. What it's going to be. Yeah, and I mean, well, I would say this. <laughs> So, so in in the movie script that I would write for this, you know, because it, it's not a bad. I I think I could actually write a pretty good story about uh, a future news article. I I thought about this. I don't know if it'll come to fruition. So, so one of the things I want to do is like, okay, like what would be a really fascinating, long, in depth news article, right, to discuss a potential event in the future, right? So part of my idea was, okay, you're discussing ultimately. There's two articles, right? The first article is the Democrats decide to choose Mitt Romney to be the vice presidential candidate of Hillary Clinton, right? right? And you go into the background as to why it makes sense, right? And so the next article is like, okay, so Trump's there, you know, and he's like, okay, we know who's president, vice president. Okay, this was, this was, I give you guys credit, like very, very sly, very sneaky, very strategic. You guys are going to be organized. You guys have money. You guys, quote unquote, love this country, can, you know, pull off the whole patriotic bullshit thing without looking like evil socialists. Good job. You guys actually got this thing going. All right, cool. Well, uh, I think I'm going to have Tulsi Gabbard to be my vice president. And the second article would be about her. And you could say that she is, because I don't think in some ways you're not voting for a president you're voting for somebody who's embodied who's embodied like a certain type of characteristic or a zeitgeist for the times that you that you kind of buy into that you kind of are going to vote for right you don't the person what i mean by this Sean is i i always said like it wasn't that people hated trump it was actually the elites really hated the people who embodied his movement those are the people that really scare them you know it's Donald Trump doesn't scare them. He's a paid, bought-off guy. They show one image that they already have probably on file with him and a 17-year-old girl on Jeffrey Epstein's island. They know that Trump himself is gone, but that his movement survives, and his movement survives off the people that support him. 
because they embody that kind of F you mentality that he seems to have taken up. You see what I'm saying? And so yeah. now you have this kind of Democrat who's been like pushed off aside, right? She's a bit of a rebel, but she's got a military background, Sean. Well-spoken, very easy to listen to, not at all perfect, has flaws, but certainly comes across as the perfect, like, perfect balance to Trump. Could you imagine that little bit of a team versus team, red versus blue, yeah. a Trump yeah. Gabbard, a Trump Gabbard versus Clinton Romney, and um, I mean this is all as Steve Bannon would say, professional wrestling. But to me, if you ask me for the most entertaining storyline of an election in 2024, that's pretty much uh, what I have for you. That would be. If I was an establishment politician and I wanted to kind of quell the unrest in America and the distrust, I would say, oh, no, let's do this bipartisan nonsense, even though Democrats and Republicans are two sides of the same coin. Let's do this. Let's do this bipartisan thing. And then Americans will say, oh, look, look at how well they're playing together. Maybe we should be well playing together because most Americans are too stupid to think for themselves and for most people are too stupid. I'm not, I'm not even putting on Americans. Most people are too stupid to think for themselves. They have to look towards political leaders to give them cues onto how to behave. So they go, Oh, look, they're playing nice. That means we all love each other again. Yay. You know, and yep. uh, I mean, yes, uh, that would be a brilliant move for the political <laughs> establishment to pull, to try to calm everyone down. I, I see, this is the scenario that I would like to see. Here's a scenario I'd like to see. Mainstream media, CNN is down, I think, 700% in their ratings. Joe Rogan gets more views and more uh, more uh, clicks and more hits than ne the next top 10 cable news shows. Uh, like m more than, more than uh, um, Brian Stelter, more than... Tucker more than Don Lemon. Is Don Lemon even still on, or has he even arrested yet? I don't know. I feel like everyone on CNN has been arrested by the, at this point. <laughs> but um, so I I would love to see establishment media, the New York Times, just go down in flames. No one's buying it anymore. Literally, just like just just uh, golden tower liberals. Uh, Ten of them are buying New York Times. That's it. You know the people who run Harvard, and literally just goes down in flames. They petition the government to subsidize them. They do so. The people continue to get more and more disillusioned with their government until we have a national divorce and American states become ungovernable. That, that would be wonderful. I'd love to see that. Right. For, for the establishment to lose so much popularity and for independent, independent speakers, independent entertainers, you know, people like Joe Rogan, people like Tim Dillon, Tim Poole, Mike Cernovich, Michael Malice, you know, all these people to become the thought leaders essentially and and actually giving people real information as opposed to this nonsense right. that the legacy media gives them. Right. And for the legacy media, I mean, they still exist, but they, I mean, the script has flipped. Now they're on the back foot and they have no, I mean, they're eating, they're living hand to mouth because no one's buying New York Times. No, And all of these giant corporate uh, monopolies, they just disappear because people are making, Twitter disappears because Getter starts developing and having you know huge numbers you know and instagram and uh and uh, all and uh, facebook meta it's just start disappearing oh this is only for this is only for incel nerds now facebook you know the only yep. people who are 
I would love to see that, John. I can't tell you how much I'd love to see them disappear into obscurity. I think I think you're going to see that. You're going to see that simply because of time. I think what's yeah. going to happen is if you look at the majority of people who still read the Wall Street Journal and New York Times, and I'm sure there's once in a while an article that kind of is somewhat decent. But all sure. I'm going to say is that people just don't care anymore. And and yeah. when I mean people, I mean the boomers are only a certain part of our population. And they were probably yeah. and, and are. Be, and John, they'll be dead soon. That's what they'll I mean. So they're on their way out. They probably have, I don't know, you know, 10 to 20 years. So whether whether or not, you know, New York Times and Wall Street Journal and CNN, they have this remarkable epiphany and they become more truthful. It doesn't matter. Even if they did, the idea that the next generation finds it entertaining to sit through a TV show in which 30 minutes is content and 30 minutes is commercial, I hate to say it, is just not going to exist. Um, I also think movies are going to change. I, I think we're living at a time in which people's mind and the idea that people, because we have this change of technology, that people are going to be entertained by the same things that you and I were entertained as a kid, that's all changing. And I'm not saying it's going to be for the better or for the worse because I think a lot of it depends on the content that's going to be brought to people. There will be still still be theater. I think people still want to see in-person shows and dramas. I hope so. Uh, I hope so. That's still going to be there in my argument because people still love the imagination. There's still, there's still enough people out there that don't want the CGI. They don't want the four-dimensional special effects. They, they think it's nice and once in a while you sprinkle it in there. It's not a bad thing, but... People who, as you know, and you're more familiar with this territory than I am, you know, artists want real, like, just in-your-face stuff. And I think to have yeah. just content, whether it's seeing a comedian I, or it's seeing a right. show that improv that's live and you don't know what to expect and, you know, the lighting sucks and, you know, the the, the backdrop's not great, but the... But the acting captivates you because of the storyline and because of the dialogue and because of the emotions and the fear and the love and the lust. And everything just, you see these human beings acting out a story and it's done in a brilliant way. I don't care if it just takes a couple of bucks to put on a show. People will gravitate that. I mean, a great example of this is why did, why why does Trump fill out a $100,000 seat, a $100,000 uh, stadium, uh, populated stadiums? Why? Because yeah, yeah, people want to be, yeah. they want to show. They want to see something yeah. that's real in their face. I'm not saying I'm ever yeah. going to go to a Trump rally. But people still have a need to do that in the middle of a big meta universe that's coming over. And with a boomer generation on the way out along with all the old forms of media that, as you can see, month after month, month are slowly kind of deteriorating away. So Yeah, I, 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 I see... I don't know if I see it, but I would love to see postmodernism fall out of vogue and for like aesthetics to come back, you know, classical, classical uh, aesthetics to come back. And people go, oh, you know what? Maybe art is about like beauty and form and expression instead of just making a statement. 
Right. You know, like today art is only about making a statement. It's like, okay, well, does it matter if the vehicle with which I'm making a statement sucks? No, it doesn't matter. It's actually better if it's ugly because we're trying to make a statement. Correct. Oh, fuck your statement. I'm sick and tired of your statement. Right. People, people want to see beauty, something beautiful. They want to see something inspired, you know, something that is, and is inspirational. I really, really hope that we get away from this ugly postmodern uh, cynicism and back to hum- humanism and beauty and spiritual thinking and all of these things that made the Enlightenment what it was, essentially. Right. So, we'll see. Great show, Sean. Hour in the books. Yes. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back next time on the Young News Podcast.